Hey, what's going on, everybody? My name is Reagan. My name is Victor. And welcome to Sanctified-ish, conversations with pastors who have not figured it out. And if you grew up playing sports, watching sports, anything like that, um, the most divisive topic of all time is who is the GOAT when it comes to basketball. Is it LeBron? Is it Jordan? Dude, no one watches hockey. (laughs) Like, look, no one... Come no, on, bro. No one outside of Toronto, Canada watches hockey. Name one hockey player outside of Wayne Gretzky. I could name 50. I can name yeah, 100. That's actually a harder question for me. Um, <laughs> Mike Madano. There we go. Um, I was a random Dallas Stars fan for like three that's years. Fair. I played that's NHL fair. 2005. Um, all that to say, LeBron Jordan is the, is the biggest argument when it comes to who's the GOAT of basketball. Um, and here's the thing. Anybody over the age of 35 or anybody who's seen the Last Dance documentary, which is just Michael Jordan propaganda, will automatically tell you that Jordan is the GOAT. Anybody with a brain will tell you that LeBron is the GOAT. Wow. And the thing is, like those, those two camps will not listen to each other. All it is is just shouting back and forth at a barbershop or at uh, a lunch table or on a podcast. That's literally all it is. Um, and that right there is literally just a form of tribalism. It's two groups with love for basketball, with strong opinions that are going at each other and not t- more talking than listening. Um, and that's something we see in sports. That's something we see in politics at the Thanksgiving dinner table. Um, and today that is something we're going to talk about how we see that in theology and social media as well. Um, we welcoming our good friend Colton Lee to the podcast. Uh, Colton is a uh, pastor at Redeemer Church in Cary, North Carolina. Um, he goes to seminary with us over at Southeastern. Um, and he's on my church league basketball team. So what's up, dude? Um, wow. wow. Okay. Welcome. Welcome. <laughs> I'm glad to be here. Thank you guys for uh, inviting me on. I really appreciate it. So yeah, I think the most important question that we're going to ask today is LeBron or James? Or wait, what? what? LeBron, what? <laughs> LeBron or Michael? I'm going to go with Michael. Yeah. Michael, see, you over, not, you're not over 35. Hold on, hold on, hold on. LeBron or James? LeBron, LeBron or James? Why, why Jordan? Why Jordan? Yeah. This is actually, I don't want to open up this whole thing, but it's open. I would say Jordan because when I think about the mindset of the player, like there are a couple of players out there who, when I just think about like the presence, like that they bring to the game, it just like changes everything. I think Kobe Bryant is one of those players. And I think mm. Michael Jordan is one of those players, but he was better at it than Kobe was. When I think about LeBron... Obviously, I think he's like an amazing basketball player and like an incredible athlete. Longevity is insane. Like community impacts, mm. great, all that great stuff. Oh yeah. But I don't, I don't see that like aura of greatness that Michael brought to the game. Amen. Coming from LeBron in the same way that I think it comes from Jordan. And Couldn't agree more. I know that statistically, like on paper, like there are plenty of ways that LeBron is has has outlasted Jordan and brought more stats into his book over the Points. years, but. Rebounds, Reagan. Steals. Reagan, hold on, hold on. You, but six Reagan, rings, man, and never losing a single <laughs> finals, man. It's just, it's just hard it's, to. It's if, hard. if you I go, agree. if you go by the six rings argument, Bill Russell is the greatest of all time. Amen. Couldn't if have you, said it better. If if you want to go by the the aura or energy argument, then Russell Westbrook is the greatest of all time. It's like, see, this, so, this is, you're you're so in your little Jordan bubble that, that anything mm-hmm. outside of that, even if it's the greatest mm-hmm. basketball player of all time, um, the conversation that's, that's we're ridiculous. having today 
is going to help both of you. Um, I don't. I don't think it will. <laughs> Reagan I, I has a, a LeBron T-shirt that he wore eight times at a ten-day summer camp. So that's it's, like the fandom that Reagan has for for LeBron. Hold up, hold up. What do you think my LeBron T-shirt was? I'm actually want to be curious. I'm curious about this because I, I don't, don't have a LeBron like, T-shirt. I'm almost positive you do, bro. <laughs> I have a Lakers What's shirt. It a, it's a Lakers. It just says it Los Lakers. Angeles Lakers. It does oh, well, nothing you wore it to too do. much. <laughs> it has nothing to do with LeBron. And it was a 10-day camp and we didn't have laundry. Get off my back. Um, but, but yeah, man, I think uh, even to kind of open up what we're talking about today, um, a lot of that, what we see in the world is just polarizing views, polarizing opinions when it comes to sports, politics, different things like that. Um, but a lot of that has seeped into the church or maybe even started in the church and how we engage in theology and how we engage in even different, like different denominations, different beliefs. Um, and so Colton, um, I follow you on Instagram and you posted something a couple months ago, um, just about digital tribalism and the church and where we go from here. And, um, uh, man, I'll just love to explain a little bit about what you're talking about there and get us, get us rolling here. Yeah. So, I put that post together after coming across a reel um, that a bunch of my friends were sharing of this pastor who was kind of just like going off on um, individuals who aren't as open to seeing tongues as like a secondary baptism of the Holy Spirit. And basically in this reel, he was just reeling on people who kind of weren't from the same theological campus and which would be like a yeah. Pentecostal theological camp, um, saying that the, the underlying reason that they believe what they believe is because they simply don't have sufficient faith in the miraculous power of God um, or in the examples that scripture gives in Acts and things like that. Um, and he was saying all these things in the crowd, like his, his, his congregation was, was loving it. Like they were like standing up and applauding everything um, as he was kind of railing into those who are from a different theological persuasion. Um, I saw that video and I was a little bit disturbed by it because like I, I love my, my my Pentecostal brothers and sisters in Christ, and like I come from a more like charismatic upbringing. Um, but I felt like a lot of the people who were sharing the video um, maybe weren't recognizing that the representation of people who were from a different theological persuasion uh, was a really shallow misrepresentation of of the person who was sort of outside of that individual's tribe. And yeah. then I saw plenty of times on my feed people from maybe other ends of the spectrum from like a, like the hyper reformed crowd or whatever, um, maybe an all out like cessationist who are super, super critical of everybody who's from a more charismatic background. And their critique is that, okay, well, the reason that you believe what you believe is because you just root everything in emotionalism and, and experience. Yeah. And I felt like that also is not a, um, it's not a charitable representation of somebody who's from a different theological background than you. And I think that it's really easy to, and I guess this is kind of where the conversation is going to go, but it's really easy to, to do this in social media because we curate the inputs that we have, like with, yeah. with our following, even with the algorithms, like the algorithms know what type of videos you give more attention to. And it knows like down to the type of like sermons, the type of yeah. Even influencers or online theologians, whatever you want to call them. Um, because our inputs are so curated to what we like and maybe what we already believe, uh, we end up sort of closing ourselves off in these theological camps in terms of the media we consume. 
Um, and just having the beliefs that we already are, are sitting in kind of reaffirmed again and again, uh, while never really giving much charity to people who are from another camp. And I kind of put this post together, sort of critiquing that and, and trying to encourage others. Cause I, I've been in, I've been in those shoes before where I've been like super yeah. critical of a certain camp or something like that, super critical of a certain, uh, perspective or theological view. And I think that as I've studied more and as I've exposed myself just to more friends who are of different beliefs than me, yeah. that are, you know, within orthodoxy, of course, um, I feel like I've been able to be a little bit more charitable and understand that I might disagree with someone really like, like really outright on a certain issue, but yeah. it doesn't mean that the reason that they believe differently is because I have necessarily like a, a superior, like superior understanding mm. and they're just are shallow in how they approach the scriptures, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's kind yeah. of what, that kind of was my heart behind the issue. And I feel like we've seen this a lot, like, like TikTok kind of feeds into it a little bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. You see it on Instagram, you see it on YouTube. Um, and I think that sort of interdenominational uh, conversation is helpful. Um, but I think it's okay. Like it's okay to disagree. Like we should, we should welcome disagreement on things. Like we shouldn't just be like, Oh, you know, doctrine doesn't matter at all. And throw that all to the wayside. Like we need to, yeah. we need to know what we believe and why we believe it. Um, but I think that we can also show charity to people who are different from us, which is kind of the heart behind the post. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's even, it's so fascinating that you had mentioned that a lot of these algorithms on social media and on these platforms are geared towards getting you to create this tribe. And honestly, but unintentionally, right? Like you yeah. may not be intentionally forming this tribalism or, or this like this isolation of of thought or idea. But what these platforms are doing is is in a lot of ways they are unintentionally or they are intentionally making you section yourself off in thought because mm. that conflict, that tribalism is is what drives yeah. a lot of these social media platforms. I mean, and this extends far beyond theological disagreements. I mean, you can look at the political landscape, you can look at cancel culture, all these things across social media, but it's like, man, I think a lot of times assuming the best in Christians and in other people, we're not going into this with the intention of division or conflict. Mm -hmm. But what has happened is we've been, we've been, you know, influenced to a point to where we don't know how to engage with one another in any other way. And I think that's one of those pushes that social media has like we have to be very aware of because if we're not then it can cause us to to really silo ourselves off yeah. into similar thought well and that's like com 101 is that the medium determines the message and so medium mm. just means like the channel in which you're communicating it and so it's like one of my biggest pet peeves of social media is when people go on it's like hey so like like this is a dialogue between you and me I'm like no it's not like you're you're going into a camera and somebody's receiving they may be able to mm -hmm. comment but like that's not that's not dialogue and so especially for students college young adults the biggest thing that's been discipling us over the years has actually been social media and now with like the rise of TikTok, it's like, you don't really, people get mad at the algorithm, but like your algorithm is just your interest. It's your mind just on steroids. Yeah. And like Colton, even like kind of similar to your story, like the biggest thing that for me was like when I went off to Wheaton and I experienced, uh, Wheaton is non 
non-denominational. So it's like there's Anglican, there's Presbyterians, there's, you know, missionary kids from all over the world that are coming in there. And so I experienced like liturgies for the first time. I experienced people that have different views of baptism for the first time, different views of tongues for the first time. And like even coming around, like down in Raleigh, being in this context, being around other people and being in that classroom setting and being in church with those other people has like broadened my view of God and like the broad spectrum of who he is. But also, like you just said, doctrine matters. But I think for a lot of us who like do not get that experience, social mm-hmm. media is not broadening our spectrums, but it's actually a focusing in on what we mm-hmm. think. And it's not giving us opportunities to expand to different platforms, which is creating that tribalism that you're talking about. Yeah, and, and I think that what you just said, especially in, at, the, at the beginning of what, you, of what you just said about how when somebody is sitting down in front of a camera and like they already have it set up what they're going to say, like there, there isn't a back and forth. And yeah, like yeah, when yeah. you're, when you're in a classroom with somebody, even when you're in church with somebody, you, you have like somebody can pause you when you misrepresent what they believe or when you say something that's, that they have a question about or that they're like not so, not so certain about. But when you're just watching a video that's like edited perfectly to like stimulate your brain as fast as it can, as quick as it can. So if you keep watching it, like you can't actually put that pause on what people are saying. You're kind of just like fed whatever this person wants to feed you with yeah. no back or no pause. Um, and it can lead to you kind of just like nodding your head in agreement without actually thinking yeah. twice about what it is that you're nodding your head in agreement to. Well, so that's one of the things that I heard from one of my friends where he was just like, he's a very trusting individual. And so he's just like the things that he just heard growing up. He's like, okay, yep, that makes sense. I believe that. Yep, that makes mm-hmm. sense. I believe that. Mm-hmm. But it's like without ever, like that's why discernment is so key in the body of Christ. It's like, let's be open mm-hmm. to what people are saying, but also discern, use the spirit, go check it out with the word. Um, and like that, that's key to understanding what's actually biblical and what isn't. I think here's, here's a question I want to throw out to you. I think this idea of tribalism and people don't get along and there's no dialogue isn't necessarily new. I think this yeah. is this is permeating across America. This is permeating in politics. This is permeating in basketball, whatever. Um, one, how do we actually engage in healthy ways in conversations about theology on social media? And for someone who's just like scrolling on Instagram, scrolling on TikTok, for the average like 23-year-old girl that is just going to church every Sunday, how, how do they engage with like the litany of content and all these different things? And like, how do we actually engage in this in healthy ways? Yeah. Yeah. That's a really good question. Um, I think that this is going to be a really basic answer, but I think the first thing you have to do is you have to just always test what you're consuming with the word. So like, don't overcomplicate things in your theology and don't allow like some, like there's also like a major trend that, uh, you'll see if you spend time in Christian influencers spheres, especially in like the theological world where people know that what sells and like what hits on the algorithm is like new stuff. So people will do everything they can to say like, you've heard, you've heard people explain that Jesus is blah, blah, blah. But did you know that Jesus actually like, he actually didn't die for you or like, like some, some like weird thing that like, it's like totally unnecessary to like reframe a, something that ends up being like somewhat true or like a half truth or whatever. Yeah, like yeah. People try so hard to bring new stuff to the table that they end up like caring more about getting your attention than communicating what's just true. Um, so if you just bring everything back to the simple gospel and to 
the scripture that whatever the sermon or the message or little soundbite is is rooted in and you say okay like god is this is this what you were trying to communicate to the author who gave us this in in your word um so i think that's step one is to always test everything with the word step two i think something that i've done is is (laughs) diversify who you allow to speak into your life so yeah um i follow a lot of accounts that i not not accounts that like hurt me spiritually or like or like annoy me spiritually, like like it kind of like burdens me because they're just like spewing out false stuff all the time or anything like that. But I follow yeah. accounts that I disagree with. Um, like there's a there's a Presbyterian guy who um, is very opinionated and very intelligent, and he puts out content all the time, and I, I love following him. And a lot of times I really disagree with the stuff that he says, but yeah. I always find it super profitable to to see where he's coming from. And just to hear his takes on church government, things like that. Just it's super yeah, yeah. But like for me, that's helpful. Um, and I think that even from like a more like devotional standpoint, like you don't have, you don't have to be like uh, trying to be a, a hardcore theologian or anything like that. Even just like the people who are speaking into your life devotionally. Um, yeah. Like diversify those those inputs and. You don't have to do that. You don't have to try so hard to do that that you end up listening to people who you like just honestly don't agree with. Like you don't have to force yourself into that yeah. necessarily. But I think it's healthy just to um, to interact um, to sort of have have a little bit of balance in that too. I would also say, generally speaking, be cautious of people who have influence in your life who speak very heavily in terms of absolutes when it comes mm. to areas that most people would say are like secondary or tertiary, yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. especially in theology. Um, I think that's, that's kind of what took me back uh, in, in that one video I was referencing about the pastor who's talking about tongues is he was, he was speaking in very like clear absolutes. Cause this is, this is an issue that he was very convicted about. And like, I understand that he may feel very convicted about this issue. Um, but I would caution us as the church when somebody gets up there and just tears into someone from a different persuasion in a very just like certain way with no real humility or, or, or grace towards uh, those who disagree with them, that's just so, that's maybe not someone who you want to be speaking super heavily into your life. And that doesn't yeah. mean that you should only like listen to people who are like totally uncertain, like, oh, this is everything's a gray area because there's a lot of those people <laughs> out there too. Yeah. That kind of frustrates me. It's all me. attention. Yeah. Um, so it's yeah, it's all about finding that that healthy middle ground where it's like, okay, this is charitable and this is gracious, but they're also not just saying nothing. <laughs> like right. you want someone right. who does have convictions but holds them with charity. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's it's also I think very important to note that this type of tribalism doesn't only exist on social media. Mm-hmm. I like there's pr- yeah. there could be someone listening to this podcast that doesn't have any social media at all and still experiences like the social and cultural pressure of this tribalism, the books you read, the movies you watch, the church you go to and the pastors you hear from the like family this you tribalism grew up in. yeah the family you grew up yeah. in like this tribalism can and does exist everywhere yeah and i think what colton what you're kind of pushing at here is we need to be very intentional about surrounding ourselves with voices that cover a wide variety of of 
opinions on these second and third tier issues. Obviously, when it comes to the gospel, like we put our foot down mm-hmm. and we have our convictions and we cannot sway from the gospel. But when it comes to these second and third tier issues, like we should be willing to engage with these ideas and these opinions and these convictions yeah. in, a, in a gracious and, and humble way. Um, and I think that kind of takes us to how we can kind of cornerstone this conversation here um, and close out is just just the the application of this um what are very practical signs like what what are some red flags that you would pinpoint someone that is slipping into this type of tribalism That's good um because i feel like a lot of times it's very unintentional and so if we could give some like things for people to pinpoint it might actually help in the discerning process mm. yeah i think that one sign that you might be kind of slipping into that would be if you notice your heart being just overall hardened towards people who are of a different persuasion. Um, a lot of times this will happen when you are growing a lot in a certain area, or maybe learning a lot um, and sort of growing in your understanding of the Bible. And you'll kind of realize, um, oh wait, maybe, maybe like, for example, um, a lot of people from the like really charismatic movement, um, started leaning more reformed after watching that documentary that came out a couple of years ago called American gospel. Um, yeah. and it caused a lot of people sort of myself included. I was sort of part of that trend, um, to have their hearts really hardened towards, towards, you know, the churches that they grew up in or maybe even family. Yeah. Members. Um, and I think that whenever you're going through a season of a lot of growth, or maybe you're sort of shifting in, in, in some area of your personal theological beliefs, um, you're prone to, look back at what you're moving away from and sort of, sort of overcompensate. Um, and you don't want to do that. You want to kind of move, you want, you want to, you want to do theology, um, in community and almost cautiously. So you don't want, if, yeah. if you're around people who are, if you find yourself swinging like different, different directions all the time in terms of your beliefs, mm-hmm. in terms of the people you, you like, or in terms of the people you don't like, um, maybe your heart needs to be a little bit more rooted in the gospel um, before allowing yourself to feel sort of hardened towards maybe the, the community that you came from in the past or the people you've listened to in the past. Um, so I'd say just if you find your, if you find your heart getting hardened um, towards people who are in the church who are lovers of Jesus, then you're probably not in a great spot. To, to even bring it down to like a personal level in that, um, my dad's, my dad's a pastor. And so growing up, my theology is my dad's theology. That's just transcended down. Um, and like, as I went off to Wheaton and as I'm now at Southeastern and now I'm at a different church, it's like a lot of my views on like secondary issues. And again, if you don't know what secondary means, secondary doesn't mean not important. Secondary just means not about Jesus and salvation. So it's like baptism is very important, but baptism is a secondary issue. So it's like those types of things. Um, like a lot of my views on secondary issues have like changed over the years with like some different experiences. And now it's like, I remember we, I went back for like July 4th or something like that. And my dad and I like argued like three different times over three different secondary issues. And we were like completely opposite ends of the spectrum. And a lot of what you're saying there, Colton, I was like, I felt my heart getting bitter. I felt my heart getting angry. I was like, well, I feel like I'm right. He feels like he's right. I love Jesus. He loves Jesus. Why do we not see eye to eye on this issue 
And like, I remember walking away from that, that weekend. I was like, that's my dad. That's not an enemy. Like, and the person always goes above the point that I'm trying mm-hmm. to make. And so like a lot of what, like you've been trying to say that is like, there has to be some humility and understanding that like, I am not God and I'm going to do the best that I can to interpret scripture, to believe the things that I'm going to believe. Like, yes, there are answers in scripture. Not everything is gray, but the reality that like, I may be wrong mm-hmm. on my issue. I might. But the overall thing is like, I know that Jesus saves. I know that he died for me. I know that he's coming back again. And how we do church politics, we may have disagreements on how we structure this thing. But at the end of the day, I can call you a brother in Christ and we can move forward in that. And I think the reason that's important is because that's an ethic, that's an attitude, that's a heart that is not seen in the world Mm. right now. And so if the church just looks like the rest of the world, then what are we doing? Um, if, if, if we can't sit at the table and talk about our mm-hmm. savior in any different light than we can talk about two presidential candidates, then who are we to say that like, oh, Jesus has changed me and he's changed the way that I love and he's changed the way that I can see another human being or an image bearer. Yeah. Um, and so honestly, I think it all just comes down to putting like that specific person above the point that you're trying yeah. to make. I, I remember, so I was in high school and I got a gift. It was a book called, I don't have enough faith to be an atheist. And it's a fascinating book. I read it, chewed through it. it. Basically, I think the book was trying to accomplish this, but I definitely wasn't mature enough to actually pull this out of the book. I came away from reading that book as if you don't believe in creationism then you are an atheist. And that was like creationism equals with a line through it, like, atheist and and Mm. i left that with if you had any other conviction or any other opinion about how the the workings of the world started that were different than the conservative like creationism account then you could not be a believer and that's Mm. how i engaged with people and it it took years of me like advocating for this and being really hard on this and really being a jerk to a lot of people, not being a good gospel like bearer for me to realize, I'm like, why do I not see any fruit from these conversations that I'm having? And it was like, Oh, it's probably cause I'm a jerk. I'm treating people as, <laughs> as like less than the Imago day that they were created in because they have a slightly yeah. different opinion on me on a second tier issue. And what the Lord really had to root out of me there was that he showed me I was far more passionate about second and third tier issues than I was about the gospel. Oh, and like the conviction that, that the Lord and like really the repentance that I had to, I had to submit myself to was okay. Like Reagan said, second and third tier issues. It's not that they're not important, but the red flag for me was when they became more important or when I became more passionate about those than I did about gospel proclamation, huge issue. And that was me all throughout see, high school. Th- this is the hard part, though, is because I think especially in the church, it's like a lot of us have been hurt over second and third tier issues. And so it's like, I haven't been hurt by a primary issue. Jesus died for me. Like, that, that's mm. love. But it's like when, when I see injustice in second and third tier issues, that, that that's when like it comes from like a righteous place of like no that's not right or like what i deem right or i've experienced this and now that's how it easily elevates and so like it's not even always as easy as just like oh that's a second or third tier issue let's put it in its place it's like no like there's very real emotions like cries for 
justice and correction on things that it just, it's just so easy for those things to rise up to the surface. And like, it doesn't mean that there's not correction. It doesn't mm-hmm. mean that there's not justice for mm-hmm. the things that need justice. But what it does mean is that like, that's what Jesus yeah. died for. It's like, that's point that point that back to that primary issue. That's like, okay, like he died for you. He died for that person that sinned against you. He died for you as you sinned against them. Um, and walk in faith. That's that's the best way yeah, to go about there, it. There was a really, really good illustration that David Platt gave at Together for the Gospel, which is like a big conference last year. Um, and there have been a lot yeah. of sort of controversy controversy leading up to um, that last T4G is what they call it, um, because of a lot of disputes over what a lot of people would say were like third tier issues. Um, and I thought that Pastor David did a really good job with this illustration. He brought up a bunch of pastors from his church onto the stage and he had them all lock arms and face inwards towards one another. And he like pointed at each one and kind of gave them uh, a name of a, of a well-known pastor who maybe was part of some of the conflicts that were leading up to this conference um, where some had decided not to come because of really like third tier or second tier issues. Um, And he said that when when you're locked arms and all facing inward, it's a lot easier to point out the differences and the quote unquote flaws that are in the person standing across from you. Then he had all of them turn around and face outwards. Come on. Once your eyes are locked on to the mission of God and to a world that's like dying and in desperate need of the gospel, um, those minor flaws or maybe not even flaws, but just differences in your brothers don't matter. What matters is the fact that you're locked arms with them. And when your eyes are facing outwards in a missional direction, those theological discrepancies, you don't ignore them entirely, but you realize that they're not the main thing. And then the main thing is like you were saying, like gospel proclamation. And that's what unites us to be together for the gospel. And I thought that was really good. And I think that it definitely applies to uh, this whole conversation that we're having right now. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. It's have y'all ever played Christian apples to apples? No, there's a card in there. Cards Christians (laughs) like. Yeah. It's uh, a, there's one answer in there. That's like, it says Jesus is like the card that you play. And it's the, it's like the Trump card. It wins every single time because you play Jesus, Jesus, so you can't lose. And it's like, that's the middle schooler Bible answer. You know, Jesus is the answer. But when it, when we boil it down, in this conversation, a previous coworker of ours used to always say eyes on Jesus. And it's like, if our eyes are fixated yeah. on Jesus, mm. then man, the rest of these things really begin to fall into place. And so that's really kind of like the ethic or the moral of this conversation is like, man, we need to have our eyes on Jesus and then everything else will, will fall into place. Um, Colton, where can people find you if they wanted to uh, follow up with you, follow uh, follow you on social media? Where can they find you on the internet? Yeah, so I have a TikTok account and I have an Instagram account. Those are basically my only two um, outlets for social media. It's at Colt Britt, C-O-L-T-B-R-I-T. Um, I make a lot of like short form theology, devotional content, yeah. stuff like that. Um, I don't make it quite as much as I used to, but if I feel the Lord laying someone in my heart, I'll throw a little video together and share it there so yep sweet well we will link all of that down in the description or whatever the info box below guys thank you so much for tuning in today if you want to follow reagan on social media it's at reagan jones 97 if you want to follow me it's at rots of 157 and you can follow our podcast Mm. on instagram at sanctified ish and uh yeah we'll catch you guys in the next one thanks for tuning in until next time take care and god bless
So, Victor, I think you need hair like Colton's. Let me zoom out so we can see the storm. You still have oh the storm the stormtrooper helmet. Nice, <laughs> bro. It looks so good. He had <laughs> he's been lining up all of these different people. Where he's like, we got ten stormtrooper helmets to make. I have a lot now. Um, I have a lot now. You you got a, I have lot. a lot. You got a lot, man. You got a whole <laughs> platoon. The whole five oh first. Show them your show them your at at eight or your at at whatever it's called. Bad.